Welcome to Nakubo in Brief, a podcast series from the National Association of College and University Business Officers. I'm President and CEO Susan Wheeler Johnston, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in today. Our mission with this podcast is to help our listeners better understand the challenges that face the business of higher education. Our hope is that you walk away with a stronger sense of the trends, policies, legislative and regulatory issues that may impact campuses today and in the future. You can find resources for today's episode, as well as a wide variety of educational tools at nakubo.org. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hi, this is Liz Clark. I'm Senior Director of Federal Affairs at Nakubo, and welcome to this edition of Nakubo in Brief. Today, I'll be speaking with my colleague, Ken Redd, about the Nakubo TIAA Study of Endowments. Ken, introduce yourself to the listeners. Yes, hi. Uh, my name is Ken Redd, and I am the Senior Director of Research and Policy Analysis for Nakubo. I've been at Nakubo for about 10 years now. What does that mean? What kind of research do you do here at Nakubo? Nakubo is known for a number of survey projects. Uh, in addition to the, the uh, endowment survey that we're going to talk about uh, today, uh, we also do a survey on uh, tuition discounting, which is a, uh, a essentially a financial aid survey for private colleges and universities. And we do a survey on student financial services, which is a survey of bursar functions. And we've been doing those for quite a number of years now. And uh, in it, we also do special projects with Liz on government relations from time to time and uh, uh, with other of our colleagues here at Nakubo. But essentially, our research is built around a, a number of surveys that we do of our members. Of all the research that you and your team conduct, I think the most widely known and uh, well-recognized is the study of endowments. Uh, why does Nakubo do a study of endowments? Uh, yeah, Liz, you're exactly right. Our endowment study is the oldest and largest of Nakubo's annual survey series. And uh, it was originally started in 1974. So this is the 45th year of our survey project. And the reason there are a number of reasons that we study endowments. The primary one is that endowments are an incredibly valuable source of uh, financial uh, resource for institutions, both large and small. Uh, as we'll talk about later, uh, endowments are used to fund a wide variety of projects on campus, all institutionally important missions that would not be funded. Uh, except for an endowment. So they're an incredibly important source of information, especially for an organization like ours, the Kubo, uh, Association of Business Officers and Business Office Operations, knowing that this resource is available to help support campuses and the students that we all serve. Uh, it's, in, it's vital that uh, we continue, we have and continue to have this uh, piece of information uh, where not only is our study the largest, we're also pretty much the only uh, association that studies endowments in an in-depth way that we do. Uh, each year, uh, we have well over 800 institutions that participate. 
both in the United States and and in Canada. So we're not only uh, 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 an important project here in the U.S., but throughout Canada. And uh, I get requests from overseas all the time for institutions internationally who would like to know more about what we do. So I, I think our endowment study is not only known here in the U.S., but worldwide as an important source of information on institutions' endowments. I know each year the media takes a lot of interest in endowments, and certainly our members and other college and university administrators pay close attention uh, to the findings of the annual study and uh, look closely at uh, the analysis that is provided within the study. But let's take a a quick step back. Uh, I think there's uh, still a lot of misunderstanding out there about exactly what a college endowment is. Can we spend a couple minutes just talking about what an endowment is? Yeah, I think that's a really important question because there is a lot of misconceptions about endowments. Uh, The analogy that people often use for endowments is like a checking account. Like, you know, institutions have this pool of money that they just write checks off like uh, as you would if you were a, 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 a student or a parent or a family or something like that. And it doesn't work anyway like that at all. Uh, I think the important thing about endowments is that they're, they're designed for long-term planning. Uh, so what that means is that uh, unlike a checking account, uh, you, you can't just worry about the, the, the money that you spend going out. You have to worry about the growth and not just for yourself, but for future generations. Uh, there is a concept of endowments known as intergenerational equity, which means that endowment managers are tasked uh, with uh, providing funds for the students that they serve today and providing growth for future generations because endowments are designed to last forever. Uh, just like schools, they're designed to last into perpetuity is what the, the technical term is, but it just means that they're designed to last forever. Uh, so, and that's an, an extremely important concept. The other thing is to worry about it, to, to know about endowments is that uh, more often, most of the time, they're funded by restricted gifts. So to give an example, I'm an alumnus of Tufts University, so I'll use myself as an example. Uh, if If one day, if I were to hit the lottery or somehow I uh, have a, a, a substantial sum of funds and I wanted to give it to my school, I could do that in two ways. I could give an annual gift of some amount and that annual gift we spent that year, but I could, I could also give an endowed gift. And the endowed gift, I would uh, say uh, endowed gift for financial aid. I would write a, a gift agreement to Tufts and that gift agreement would specify how the funds would be distributed to students after a certain period of time. And it could only be used for that purpose, financial aid in in my examples. And that's what most endowed gifts are. They're restricted gifts for a particular purpose. And that purpose could be anywhere from financial aid to patient care. If you're at a school that has a hospital, it could be for libraries. Uh, The important thing to remember is that once that gift agreement is signed, the money can be used only for that purpose. So I, I think one of the misconceptions about endowments, uh, to go back to your question, Liz, is that uh, a school can just write a check for some other need. But with an endowment, uh, you, the schools are, are legally bound to only use the funds that are generated from that gift 
for that particular purpose, financial aid or patient care, uh, public service uh, that the school uh, sponsors, uh, academic services, those kinds of operations that are all funded by endowment and usually from these restricted gifts. So that's why, you know, as you and I know, when members of Congress or other folks uh, try to draw the analogy between what a consumer could do or what other funds at the university can do with uh, financial, what uh, what endowments can do, we always have to point out that that these restrictions, these legally binding agreements with donors and institutions, uh, really have to be honored and respected for not just for today, but for the long term. I mean, uh, the endowed gifts, the gift agreements last, just like the endowment, they last into perpetuity uh, 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 unless there's some really really unforeseen circumstance. But but a gift given today you know, 20, 30 years from now can only be used for that purpose. Um, so so that, that's really important to understand. So Ken, um, you actually mentioned a number of important points there. I want to okay. go back and, oh, and sure. uh, talk a little bit about a couple of them. So you talked sure. about the difference between giving to an endowment versus giving to an annual fund. So if I get a call from my alma mater and they're doing uh, their uh, annual fundraising campaign and I decide uh, while speaking on the phone to a student helping out with that campaign that I'm going to donate $200. Yeah. Uh, does my $200 dollars go into an endowment and is it used in perpetuity or um, is that something that's more likely used in what you call the annual fund? So, yeah, that, I think that's a, a important to go back and unpack that a little. So to use your example, that usually uh, that $200 gift is going to be used for what's called an annual fund. And that means that that money will be used in the current year. So like today, if 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 your school is uh, or my school Tufts uh, called and we talked to a student for a, a fundraiser and they asked us for a $200 donation and we we wrote a check that $200 would be combined with other uh, gifts and used by the school uh, during that current year so this this academic year uh, and so that uh, an endowed gift is, is very different, as I said. Uh, that's usually a gift that is designed to be used uh, not just today, but into the future. So you know, an annual fund gift is used annually, just that one year, whereas an endowed gift is used over many uh, years, over uh, hopefully over many generations. So it sounds like uh, the annual fund is is often made up of uh, a number of smaller gifts that perhaps come into an institution, but it's when a donor, say, wants to uh, donate fifty thousand, five hundred thousand, a million dollars or more, that those are often uh, invested uh, uh, and given into an endowment. Um, is that is that right? Yeah, I think that okay. that that really does draw the distinction. Although I think uh, it's important to note that there are a number of schools that have much smaller uh, endowed funds. Uh, you know, we we hear about the, as you mentioned, the half million million dollar you know gifts that schools often get uh, the larger endowed uh, gifts. Uh, but uh, in many campuses, an endowment can be started with a smaller fund, say ten thousand or or twenty thousand. It doesn't necessarily have to be a six-figure gift that's an, that goes into endowment. The the difference is, is that uh, an, an annual fund gift, regardless of size, is used this year, whereas an endowed gift, uh, regardless of size, is designed to be used over many generations uh, as long as this as the school is is around. So that's really the distinct the, the so, distinction. 
I want to follow up briefly on that last point. Um, uh, to use a comparative example, I'm saving for retirement. I hope to have a nest egg that will last me hopefully 20, maybe 30 years into my retirement. So I have to think about that nest egg and, and think about how I draw down for it to make it last 20 or 30 years. Is what you're saying that uh, endowment advisors have to manage these endowments so that they last forever? Yes, uh, very much so. I, I, I think the, the retirement analogy is in many ways appropriate in that uh, just as just as you uh, use money for your retirement, retirement is in many ways a restricted uh, cause for yourself that you hope you're hoping lasts for a long period of time. And endowment, they have similar goals and strategies, except like an, uh, uh, the, the difference, the big difference being, of course, is that you and me, our retirements may last, as you said, 20, 30 years. If I'm an endowment manager, when I look at a gift, I have to figure out strategies that will uh, both generate income from the school today and last multiple years, multiple generations of students. So it's not just the 30 years, it, you know, 50, 100 years. Or, you know, it, the, the assumption is that a university will be around for forever. Uh, uh, so when endowment managers do get gifts, they have to think of strategies that will make the gift last not just for, you know, a 30-year retirement uh, stream, as most people would ha might have, uh, but beyond those 30 years. Uh, and, but at the same time, uh, they also have to figure out how we're going to, how is this endowed gift going to gener generate income for today? So you have those dual let's, purposes. Yeah. Let's talk about today. Um, sure. We've talked about how schools are using these for students. So calling these rainy day funds is not exactly quite right. These are actively managed so that money can be spent today. But as you've illustrated over the long term, you mentioned uh, student aid. Mm -hmm. What campus programs are funded by endowments? Um, and can you talk a little bit about more about how schools use endowments for student aid? We're really excited this year and this year's endowment study. Uh, for the first time in the 45 years that we've done the survey, we actually added a new question that addressed exactly that. How do en endowments use the money that is generated from the funds uh, to support students and, and faculty and other other uh, activities on campus. Uh, so we actually have new and, and I think very good data uh, on that topic. For fiscal 2018, uh, uh, which is the period of July 1, 2017 to June 30, 2018, that's the period covered by the most recent survey. Uh, we know that during that time period, uh, schools uh, generated a total of $21.6 billion from their endowments. Uh, that $21.6 billion equates to about 10% on average or, or about 10% of institutions operating uh, revenue. So um, so what did schools do with that $21.6 billion on average? About half of the uh, Fund. So the plurality, the biggest share of the funds was used for student scholarships and other financial aid programs. So the biggest beneficiaries of endowment gifts uh, are those students on campus. Uh, another 16% or so of the gifts were used for academic programs, such as advi academic advising, tutoring, mentoring, those kinds of academic support programs 
was at, at, at roughly 16%, 16% of that $21 billion on, uh, or so. And uh, the other area that uh, people ask about is uh, endowed uh, a chair. So uh, t- under 10% of the funds were used for these endowed uh, faculty chairs. So, but but really, if you if you add the 49% from the financial aid programs plus 16% from academic support and other programs, I, I think you can you can say that the the vast majority of endowed funds at many campuses are used for some type of, of direct support to students, either through their financial aid or through their academic uh, success enrichment uh, programs through tutoring and, and other types of support programs. So uh, uh, and endowments, uh, just looking at those two vital parts of the university, th- those two functions, I think, are probably the most important uh, things that schools uh, can do. And, and uh, many schools have a, a direct mission, as you know, to support students. Let me make yeah. sure I have I have this right. So 49%, um, nearly half, or the largest share, as you said, is being used to directly help students lower their cost of attendance. Another significant share is helping them by way of uh, academic support services. Um, and the balance is uh, money that's spent by the institution to actually help them deliver on their mission what students and families expect of the institution. So it's helping support faculty, libraries, uh, other pieces of the higher education that a student ex- expects an institution to deliver to them. Is that right? That, that's absolutely right. Um, I before I I said when you when you asked me about uh, why we study endowments, so this is this is the reason. Uh, knowing that information, I think, is vitally important to demonstrate uh, the the commitment that institutions and the leaders have to supporting the missions of their uh, uh, schools. And the number one mission of the schools are, is student success. And how do you support student success? Uh, first, financial aid, you have to make sure you lower the cost as much as you can so students can afford to be on your campus. And second is to ensure to the extent that you, the best extent you can, that they have the academic support, the tutoring and other services that they need to succeed. And as you said, the the balance of that is, is in some way or short, shape or fashion going to help students. Uh, uh, there's some portion, as I mentioned, that's going toward research um, uh, and research helps as uh, students as well. So, but but those two areas, I think, are really the most vital things that endowments do to help ultimately help students succeed. I, I would add that uh, you mentioned that endowments are one part of the operating budget uh, from which an institution operates. And uh, is it fair to say that if an institution can draw down from an endowment, those are fewer dollars that the institution needs to seek from tuition revenue or from state appropriations, that an endowment helps provide resources to an institution that uh, it doesn't have to seek elsewhere? Well, let's put it this way. As I said before, on on average, institutions get about 10% of their operating revenue from their endowments. That's 10% that doesn't have to come from tuition, doesn't have to come from state appropriations, doesn't have to come from fundraising or any other source. So institutions can use their endowments to bolster those programs I just talked about without having to rely on appropriations or any other federal or state or any other source. They can rely on what's being generated from their endowments. Uh, So it's a pretty important 
uh, resource uh, for, for many campuses. So you mentioned uh, uh, that it differs from campus to campus. Uh, tell us more about what you learned from, from this year's survey. You surveyed more than 800 institutions, uh, large and small, and mm-hmm. uh, they're using those revenues in, in different ways. Uh, tell us a little bit about who your survey covered. Sure. Uh, so uh, this year's study, uh, we have uh, 800, 802 U.S.-based higher education institutions and affiliated endowments that have participated. And uh, they range anywhere from Harvard University and the large research universities uh, all the way down to small uh, private and public uh, uh, community colleges, uh, small uh, liberal arts colleges. Uh, the average endowment of uh, this year is roughly $769 million. Uh, but the median endowment, uh, which is the more important statistic because that covers you know half uh, of the schools, the median endowment is about $140 million. And uh, roughly 41% of our of our participants have endowments of $101 million or less. So what that means is, yes, it's it's true that there are a lot of uh, research universities out there that have pretty large endowments, but the typical school in our survey has an endowment of roughly $100 million, maybe a little bit more, a little, little bit less. Um, but regardless of size, as I mentioned before, uh, the, 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 the availability of the funds, I think, is, is, is important even at a school that has a relatively small endowment. So uh, but ultimately, most of the uh, the the majority of the schools in our survey are uh, uh, small to mid-sized regional uh, to uh, public campuses or private uh, universities that have endowments of somewhere in the one hundred to one hundred and forty million dollar range. So, uh, not huge, uh, but enough uh, to meet some pretty important uh, purposes. So, um, uh, uh, as uh, within those endowments, as I said, the 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 average or typical school gets about ten percent of its operating uh, revenue from from their endowed funds. Uh, so, let's uh, let's turn to the study. Um, mm-hmm. The uh, results were recently released. Tell us a little bit about how endowments performed over the past year. Sure. So. Um, uh, as I mentioned before, our most recent study, the 2018 Nakubo TIAA study of endowments, uh, this year covered the time period of uh, investment performance and asset allocations, investment strategies, and governance issues for the p- time period of fiscal 2018, fiscal year 2018, which is uh, uh, to remind our listeners again, it's the July 1, 2017 to June 30, 2018 time period. Um, so, uh, uh, within that time period, uh, there, the most important statistics that, uh, we get asked about, uh, Liz is investment performance. So, uh, this year, uh, uh, just as in prior years, we, in, we measure investment performance from one, three, five, and 10 year, uh, uh, period. So, um, uh, the most important statistic within that uh, for our members is the 10-year average annual return. So this year, the 10-year average annual return was about 5.8%, uh, which uh, is an improvement over over prior years because uh, we are still uh, at somewhat uh, coming out of the, uh, the uh, t- uh, time period of the Great Recession. 
Uh, so we're, we're doing better on a 10-year uh, average annual return time frame. But uh, most endowments, because of their intergenerational uh, equity goals, have a, have a target long-term time uh, uh, goal of uh, annual return of 7 to 8%. In fact, the median uh, long-term goal is 7.2%. Uh, so 5.8 is obviously lower than 7.2. So over the long term, many institutions have not met their long-term average annual return goal. And we can talk about that uh, because the implications of that, we can talk about that in a moment. But major message, though, is that 5.8% long-term average annual return, an improvement from last year uh, when it was 4.6%, but still below the 7.2% target that institutions have to meeting their their long-term goals. So that's the most important number for uh, the endowment managers. The other important number is the one-year return. So the, the, uh, many members of the media and press uh, and policymakers want to know what did institutions do over the one-year period. And during that uh, fiscal 18 uh, time period that we talked about before, the average return was 8.2%. So one-year return, 8.2%. Definitely a, a helpful sign maybe in the future uh, that uh, we'll continue to have returns above uh, target. But I think uh, overall, this 5.8% long-term return average is the one number that's really uh, uh, the focus of our of our study and is the one number that leads to some concern among our endowment managers on campus. So uh, I, I know uh, a lot of the media attention will focus on that one-year 8.2% return, but hearkening back to what you were talking about just a moment ago with an eye on perpetuity, uh, what you're saying is that many endowment managers and boards with oversight of endowments look more closely at that long-term 10-year average return because they need to make sure they can both continue to spend as well as plan on continuing revenue from the endowment into the future. That's exactly right. So uh, the reason why institutions need uh, or, or seek to uh, get a higher return than over the long term or than 5.8 is because 5.8% uh, is because uh, in general endowments spend roughly 4% of their uh, assets at each year for current uh, needs and current students. They have uh, fees that they have to pay for investment managers and uh, those kinds of uh, uh, activities of, of somewhere between 1% and 2% on average. And then there's inflation. Inflation uh, runs on the long term, runs anywhere from 2 to 3%. Uh, so in order for endowments to meet their intergenerational goals, they'd like to return enough to cover the spending, fees, and inflation. They want to do a little bit better than that. And so for many campuses, that means returning somewhere between 7 and 8% on the long term. And as I mentioned, over the last 10 years, endowments returned uh, less than 6%. Uh, so there is that gap. But I should say, I think it's important to note that despite that gap, endowment continue to grow their spending. So this year, two-thirds, about about two-thirds of institutions increased their spending from their endowments. And the median, median increase among those schools that increased their spending was about 6.6%, which tells you, like, if you're only over the 10-year period, you're only growing 5.8%, but your 
spending is going up by more than 6%, it does tell you the extent to which institutions are really using their endowments to meet students' needs and meet their missions despite having lower long-term returns, they're increasing their spending by over 6%. And this this is not a new phenomenon. Last year, institutions in general increased their endowment spending by about 6% as well. So uh, at least for the last two years, we've seen uh, uh, spending go up uh, despite lower than target long-term returns. So uh, it does, again, tells you the extent to which endowment managers and campus leaders are really using their endowments and then spending from their endowments to support uh, those student pro- programs we talked about before. So, Ken, let's uh, let's take a step back from percentages here. Uh, sure. What does that mean? What did colleges, what, what kind of resources, how much money did colleges actually spend from endowments uh, this past year? Uh, we mentioned before that uh, uh, endowments uh, grew their spending. This year, the endowment spending was $21.6 billion. So, it's a pretty significant investment in students that uh, colleges are, are generating uh, from their endowments to support their students. So it's, uh, again, putting that into perspective, that that's coming on the heels of a, a 5.8% long-term return, which means that uh, institutions are really drawing pretty heavily from their endowments in a relatively low return environment. Uh, so that, it, it, again, pretty big commitment from institutions. So uh, just to recap here, endowment managers are looking for this average 7 to 8% return. They haven't quite met that, uh, but regardless, they still this past year saw a, a healthy return um, in the time frame uh, in which you looked at of one-year returns, which was uh, July 1 of 2017 to June 30 of 2018. Uh, and we also saw this year a continuing trend that year over year, colleges and universities are continuing to spend more in dollars uh, from endowments for student aid and other student services and campus operations. Yep, that's a that's exactly right. Uh, and that's coming in during a time period where uh, there was a lot of market volatility, uh, and there continues to be a lot of market volatility uh, going into fiscal 19. Uh, 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 while we always hope that markets will have a, 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 a will go up, um, that's never guaranteed, and we certainly see that at this this current year uh, where there's been lots of, of markets going up and down. Uh, uh, in December of uh, of, of uh, 2018, uh, the uh, markets were certainly down. They've recovered somewhat uh, this year, uh, this 2019, the calendar year. They've recovered somewhat, but still, there's a lot of volatility out there. Um, uh, and that, uh, just as you and I are trying to invest for the future in this market volatility, and endowment managers are, are facing the same kinds of issues. How do they generate the money that they need for their students at a time when the markets are very unpredictable and, and have been for the past 10 years and we're, it looks like they're going to remain pretty much unpredictable going, going into at least uh, this year and into the, at least the near future? I can say, uh, especially working in federal affairs, there is uh, no shortage of uncertainty ahead. Um, 
With that, Ken, uh, I think we're headed to wrap up here. Is there anything else that you want to add about the Nakubo TIAA study of endowments for 2018? Yes. Uh, we uh, get a lot of questions about how do we, uh, folks get access to the actual reports and tables that we put out. Uh, so if, if listeners go to uh, nakubo.org, and under uh, the research tab, click on the Nakubo TIAA Study of Endowments. You will find in our public tables a uh, uh, list of institutions that participated, the uh, short and long-term rates of returns, the spending rates, and lots of other uh, vital public information about, uh, about the schools in our study. Uh, the data that we put on that uh, table are uh, free and available to the public, so you don't need to be a Nakubo member to uh, uh, get access to those public tables. So nakubo.org and uh, under research, click on the the Nakubo TIAA study of endowments and uh, you'll see our list of uh, public tables. Ken, thanks so much for joining me today for this edition of Nakubo in Brief. That's my pleasure, Liz. Thanks uh, to our listeners for tuning in.